Welcome to the latest edition of At The Flicks Movie News. All you ever need to know about what is happening in the strange world of the movies. I still don't get why we have to wear suits and ties when no one can see us. It's called the method, Neil. If you follow the process, you too can be an expert like moi. Can we at least start the show without you two arguing? As Jeff said before, being distracted by his pettiness, welcome to our new movie news show. Because the filming world is slowly returning to normal, we are bringing back our irreverent movie news, but in a completely new format. No longer is it part of a show. Now it is the show. We will deliver to you the film news you need to know about. It will include exclusives, shout-outs from smaller movie shoots that deserve promotions, the latest on some of our, Graham's, favourite actors, and a surprise or two. This month, we talked to director Max van der Banks about his new film, which is just about to start shooting. Graham reveals the latest on his favourite actor, guess who? And Neil talks about a drama with a very surprising cast. To start our movie news show, let's go straight over to Jeff, who is talking to director Max van der Banks. Hi, Max. Welcome to our new revamped film news show. How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. And thank you for inviting me on. Thank you for coming up with an exclusive for us. As we're starting to come out of COVID, thank the Lord, I understand you're shortly starting filming on a new short film. Yeah, that's right. We are starting. We're starting filming at the end of of March. What's the title of the project? The working title is The Mudlark. Without spoiling anything, what's the plot of The Mudlark? Maybe if I can go back a little bit. When I was like lots of people in lockdown, not doing very much. <laughs> I was speaking to uh, someone I'd, I'd, I'd worked with a, a number of years ago, and they said, do you know you, you had an idea for a story, didn't you, about uh, the River Seven? And I thought, well, I did, yeah. I said, I've not done nothing about it. He said, well, if you've got nothing to do, he said, why don't you sit down and have a go <laughs> at doing something? But afterwards, I thought, yeah, I will actually. I've always had an interest in rural life and rural craft and, and, and history. I was also interested in folklore and tales of the river. And so I started to put together a, a story which revolves around a mysterious old woman, a storyteller, and a salmon fisherman. And then I got together with a, a friend of mine who's a scriptwriter. His name's Lynn Davis. He's worked with you in the past as well, hasn't he, Lynn? He has, yes. And we got together and I gave him an outline over the period of a, a couple of months, really. We put together the story of the mudlark. And the mudlark follows the story of a, a mudlark, someone who makes his living from all the flotsam and jetsam that's found along the river's edge. He used to make his living and wildlife by selling or giving to an old sea dog, a chamois, uh, the things that he'd found during the day for a bowl of soup or gruel and somewhere to sleep. And one day he finds something and he keeps it. And Shammy finds out and that didn't go down too well. And he's sent on his way. And he walks down the river, down the estuary, and he's found by an old salmon fisherman who takes him in. And that's where the story begins, really. But the story itself is being told by an old woman. And we start without giving too much away, in a tavern, an old Welsh tavern. One of my favourite places. One of, yeah, one of mine too. 
Some men come in from work, and of course, they want to hear what the old woman's got to say, what the tale she has tonight, what tale has she to tell. And she begins telling the tale of the old salmon fisherman and all that revolves around him and Jackie, who's the name of the mudlark. It's quite a, an interesting story. It's got lots of twists and turns. It's about loss and friendship. Yeah, and it sounds a bit of a period piece as well. Absolutely. It's set in uh, Victorian Wales in the 1800s. Have you got your location sorted? We've got a number of locations sorted. We've got the interiors of Hopkins's cottage, and that's been filmed at the Dean Heritage Centre uh, in the Forest of Dean. With COVID and lockdown, it, it was difficult to actually find locations or interior locations in Wales. So we've had to have interiors here in Gloucestershire. And also we're filming in Helen's Manor, uh, just outside Ledbury. It's all coming together. Brilliant. Have you got your cast? Yeah, we've got uh, our main cast. And I'm very lucky. I mean, as you probably know, in my other life, I, I work in the film industry as a, a makeup artist, a special effects maker. And when the, the script was finished, I, I could picture people in my mind who I thought would be good in the role. And I worked with a lovely lady called Lynn Hunter, and she instantly came to mind as the old storyteller. We've got Nathan Sussex, who's playing Hopkin, the salmon fisherman. Uh, and Nathan was just recently in It's a Sin. One of it, the best things that's been on TV for a while. Yeah, absolutely. A great actor, great character actor, lovely, lovely fellow, but an amazing actor. And he really wanted to play the role. I, I just sent the script to him to have a look at. Yeah. He got back and went, I want to play this role. And it wasn't because he had nothing to do. <laughs> he was working then. He went, I want to play him. I really want to do this role. And 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 he's been great. And then we've got Shemi, who's going to be played by Aniron Hughes. Again, another BAFTA winner. And then we've got a, a young character called Charlie Thold. I saw him in a little film called The Dead Canary. And I thought, yeah, he got some really good talent there. He's got the role of the mudlark. I mean, in brackets, I was down as director. I'm not really. I, I'm not really a director. But I'm certainly putting together the artistic side of things, the art directing and the look of the film. And I'm having help with directing from Lynn Davis, with me, wrote the piece, and also a young guy called Sam Angle. And Sam played Billy Elliot in the West End, but he's moved on now to uh, direction and uh, a movement coach for actors, not for dance, but for acting. And he's come on board and he'd be directing the young cast. That's been a real boon as well. Costume, I mean, we've got Rosie Flood, uh, who's doing costume for us and costume design. Rosie's worked on the likes of Le Mis, Game of Thrones, uh, Bastard Executioner. So we've got a real good crew. We've got, and, and, and on top of that, obviously all this takes a lot of time and lots of effort. And I work with a fellow called Lee Stevens. There was a, a, an organisation called GMG in Gloucestershire, the Gloucestershire Media Group. And Lee was a director on the board with me. So I've known Lee for a long time, and he runs a company called Action Image. And Action Image have come on board to actually line produce and produce the film itself. So all the paperwork side uh, and getting crew, etc., I've handed over, <laughs> which is great. So we recently spoke to some filmmakers and made a film called Dead on the Vine, and yeah. it was made during 
COVID, and they basically bubbled in a vineyard while they made this film. I mean, it must have been absolute hell. So what extra precautions have you got to put in for COVID on this, Max? Uh, total. I mean, literally, I mean, um, I was fortunate towards the end of the year to start working. What we're doing now, we've got a, a COVID coordinator on set. Uh, we're doing flow tests each morning and now making sure that we're working in a safe environment. And we've had to do that for insurance, which is expensive. <laughs> it's the same as makeup. I've got a makeup artist coming on board, Sylvia Fernandez, who I partly trained. But, you know, makeup, for example, makeup is used on the actors and then that's it. It's got rid of. You can't have it in your kit. They have their own makeup. And once the film and the production is finished, it's got rid of. Um, so that's all extra costs as well. So it's all these little things that, you know, that all add up. Hopefully we'll be um, through it all soon as well. Absolutely. But, you know, but, so hopefully by the time we finish, we, we won't have to go through all the same rigmaroles as far as. Yeah. So how long have you allocated for filming? I mean, at the moment, we've got three days at the end of March. And then just the beginning of April, we've got another two days. So that's five. There's probably another five up in Carmarthenshire. And then we've probably got another five or so down in the Y Valley and the Mono Valley. I would say a month in total. Well, I'm hoping the weather's going to be good for you. Although there's a couple of scenes in it where we want to have a little bit of rain. And I'd rather have natural rain than pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Quite, yeah, but there we go. So when are you hoping to get the film released? We're aiming to try and get it uh, done for the end of the year. Um, uh, the nice thing about when, the way we're filming, because we're filming on the red cam, but we're also using uh, some nice lenses. So we're sort of doing vintage at the, the front end of the camera, but then behind the camera is all singing, dancing, digital. What's happening, I mean, as it's been filmed, it's going to be actually semi-edited as we're doing it. Um, oh, wow. It's a bit of a task that we're going through, or, or actually, Mitch. That's their speciality, that side of them. So, again, all the editing and any of the grading, that's been done by Action Image. Oh, that's excellent. And so the film is called The Mudlark, soon to be filming. You heard it here first. Max, when filming's complete, can we catch up again and chat of how things have gone? Absolutely. And again, I, I, you know, if you wanted to come down to see how things are moving on some of the shoots. We, we, would, lo we would love to. <laughs> We've all had our COVID shots. We've been vetted. Yeah. Uh, good. <laughs> and, and in Neil's case, neutered, so we're all okay. <laughs> yeah, you'd be more than welcome, I'm sure. Oh, that, that would be brilliant. Thank you very much. We'll talk about that again. Okay. Max, thank you. Thank Bye you for back. your time and good luck with the project. Yeah. Yes, good luck. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you very Fantastic. much. Fantastic. can't wait to get on set to see Mudlark being made. This is just like the old days. It's great to have movie news back, although this suit seems to be tighter than I remember. I guess it must have shrunk in the wardrobe. While we might have been quiet on movie news for a year, you listeners certainly have not. Our mailbag overflows with requests. Actually, mainly one request, and we're going to address that now. Many listeners have written to us, well, Graham really, asking what is happening with the mail. Let's ask the man himself. What is Mel here? Oh, God, 
am I presentable enough? Is this suit bulging in all the right places? Oh, that <laughs> no. Jeff. No, I meant you. Do you have any Mel news for our listeners? <laughs> Is the Pope Catholic? Of course I have news. What do you think I've been saving all these press cuttings for? Life moves very fast in the Mel lane, and I have details on three new films to share with you. Yes, it takes more than COVID to take down the Mel. He just laughs at such danger and carries on. What a hero. Okay, enough, Graham. I can see you're getting excited. Just give us the news. God. What? Oh, yes. Sorry. I zoned out there for a moment. First up, in this triumphant triumvirate, thank you, Jeff, for that one, (laughs) is Panama, which has just completed filming in Puerto Rico. In this tough all-action feature, Mel plays the commander who sends an ex-Marine into Panama to complete an arms deal. The ex-Marine is played by Cole Hauser who played opposite The Bruce in Die Hard 4 and was recently in the hit TV series Yellowstone. As for the plot, while negotiating the deal with some very unsavoury characters, Cole Hauser begins to realise he's the pawn in a very powerful political game, a game where he doesn't know who he can trust. You can trust the male Cole. He won't let you down. I was thinking as I was preparing this news that a few years ago it would have been the male playing the all-action star. A shame we all have to grow old, but you do it in style, Mel, says Jeff. <laughs> My next future male classic is Dangerous, a title which could refer to the male himself, but in a good way. Filming has recently finished on this movie up in Canada. Scott Eastwood, son of Clint, stars scott was of course in another of my favorites fast and furious <laughs> eight three. he plays a reformed sociopath looking at you here jeff although not sure on the reformed bit who travels to a remote island to try and solve the mystery of his brother's recent death he learns that a gang of mercenaries played a part in that crime and scott swears vengeance Also in the cast is another member of the Fast and Furious franchise, Tyrese Gibson, as well as Framka Jensen from the X-Men movies and Goldeneye. It sounds like the Mel is once again playing the heavy. Sorry, this is shocking casting. Mel should always play the hero. Anything else is a sad waste of talent. You wouldn't expect this from John Wayne, would you? Good grief, Jeff. You've put John Wayne and the Mel in the same paragraph. That's cinematic blasphemy right there. After shooting two films back to back, you'd think that the Mel would take a rest. Oh, God, I wish he would. Nope. He is already preparing for his next legendary role. Soon to start filming is the spy thriller Agent Game. Dermot Mulroney. Young Guns and My Best Friend's Wedding stars as a CIA agent called Harris who moves foreign nationals into safekeeping. However, Harris finds himself framed for a murder and has to go on the run. Mel plays a CIA senior who leads the team to track Harris down. Wow, I hope all three of those make it to my local cinema later this year, said (laughs) nobody. Can you imagine a triple bill of Mel in the cinema? Oh, God, no. I need a cold shower, and I really need to stop vomiting. Neil, please take over while I try and cool down. Moving on from the Mel, although I am going to be talking Australian, 
Mel Gibson's not Australian, Neil. He was actually born in New York. He is Australian to me, and I bet he is great at bar work. <laughs> okay, so my link may not be that valid. I'm going to talk about a new film from Rebel Wilson. The comedy actress. After all this time without film news, and this is the best you can come up with. Typical Jeff doesn't let me finish and jumps to the wrong conclusion. This is exciting news. It is true that she has made some many, shall we say, forgettable films in recent years. However, this is different. Very different. Before talking about the film, let's talk about Rebel. Anyone see her on that show Straight Talking with Aunt Middleton recently? Aunt Middleton, you're not selling this well, Neil. <laughs> Forget that then. The point I was trying to make is that this is a very different Rebel Wilson on that show. While it's rude to reveal a lady's age, which is why I never say yours, Jeff, she has undergone a major transformation since she reached a certain age. Without a doubt, Rebel Wilson is looking a very different and much healthier person these days, which is really good when you consider that horrible court case she had to fight a few years ago. In recent years, her film roles have been in her usual comic turns in films like Jojo Rabbit and Cats. You liked that one, didn't you, Jeff? In fact, you were the only one. Well, now she is about to start filming in her first serious role. Filming in North Wales and Liverpool is the oddly titled The Almond and the Seahorse, based on the play from Kate O'Reilly. The story is about as far away as you can possibly get from the work Rebel Wilson has been known for up to this point. It's about two couples and how they cope when one of each of the couples is recovering from traumatic brain injury. There is Gwenon, who believes the year is always 1999 and has no idea who the stranger is who keeps calling himself her husband. Then there is Joe, who, having had a brain tumour removed, has severe loss of memory. The title, by the way, refers to the colloquial names for the parts of the brain responsible for memory, emotion and personality. Wow, what a change for Rebel Wilson. Well, let me go further, Graham. It is anticipated that this film will open at the end of the year, and I predict a BAFTA or an Oscar nomination for this Australian actress. Beats Barwick, I suppose. Who else is in the film, Neil? Charlotte Gainsborough and Kellen Jones also act in the movie. Kellen Jones also co-directs with Tom Stern. Thank you very much, Neil. And just before we go, I have a new section to add to the show. Jeff's Recommendations. Oh, God, look out. It's another Welsh takeover. Nope. All of this is film-related. Now, a quick shout-out for John Debney's masterwork of a score for the Netflix film Jingle Jangle, which was shown last Christmas. John Debney is not lauded enough for his great work as a film composer. He has composed some fantastic music for such films as Cutthroat Island, Passion of the Christ, and, oh, okay, Iron Man 2. However, Jingle Jangle is a step above them all. It's awesome. It combines a slice of Christmas magic with the best of John Williams. Have a listen to this brief extract.
just brilliant. Moving on. On a number of podcasts recently, I have mentioned editor Paul Hirsch's autobiography in a cutting room far, far away. As a sneak peek and an aside, we have an upcoming interview with British editor Rupert Hall. After that, so much more I would have liked to have asked Mr. Hall. Now, Mr. Hirsch provides an excellent breakdown of what being an editor is all about. And we have his stories about working with Brian De Palma, John Hughes, as well as some fantastic stories about his time with film composers such as Bernard Herrmann. Not forgetting, of course, his time on Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back. If you're interested in cinema from the 1970s to date, then this is a must-buy for you. On the subject of buy, it's now time for us to say bye-bye as we play out with another piece from the excellent Jingle Jangle. <laughs>